We know yeah. we've got two more episodes left of WandaVision. We're very, very excited about that. I'm even more excited that shortly after that, we've got Falcon and Winter Soldier coming. But there's another series on the way on Disney Plus that a lot of people have been excited about, and that is Loki. Now, we, we knew it's coming relatively soon, but it's not relatively soon anymore. We now have a release date. As of this morning, the official release date now for the Disney Plus series Loki is now coming on June 11th. June 11th is the official time now for Loki. That's when we're going to be getting this series. Rob, this is exciting to me. Again, Falcon and Winter Soldier is, for me, my most anticipated series coming on Disney+. Plus. Yes, I'm looking forward to definitely Moon Knight. I'm looking forward to Ms. Marvel. I'm looking forward to She-Hulk. I'm looking forward to the War Machine one, whatever the Nick Fury one is going to be. On and on and on. I'm looking forward to them all. But right behind Falcon and Winter Soldier just very well may be Loki. And now it's tangible. We've got a release date. It's not going to come too far after the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Rob, you heard about this. Where's your anticipation level for Loki right now? And what do you think about the release date? Oh, dude. Loki looks (laughs) off the charts, man. The Time Variance Authority, Loki. Apparently, he's going after different versions of himself in different quantum realm. I mean, I don't even, I'm so excited after, after seeing, look, what we're getting, I think between WandaVision, Loki, clearly other things that are, we're going to talk about just shortly. uh, There is a, a concerted effort to be telling maybe not a Thanos sized story, but certainly quite a large story across multiple formats in the Marvel cinematic universe. And I couldn't be more excited. I think it all, WandaVision, Loki, other movies that we'll talk about, uh, I think that, um, I I can't wait, dude. My excitement level, my excitement level's way up here. And a lot of it is based on the quality of WandaVision. Yeah, right. I mean, that's the thing. I I have been very critical uh, of Disney Plus for a good year, and I think justifiably so. But, man, I'm telling you, when you look at what they've given us so far, Mandalorian season one, Mandalorian season two, WandaVision. We're not quite done with WandaVision yet. And by uh, by the way, Kung Fu Hot Dog sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Kung Fu Hot Dog. Um, they, are, they are three for three right now when it comes to these premium releases. And if they can do that again with Falcon and Winter Soldier, I mean... I mean, you got, I mean, as somebody who is looking as forward and nobody else on the planet is as much as you, as somebody who's looking forward as much as you are to Moon Knight, like all these series oh, coming dude. out and hitting the level of excellence they're hitting, that's got to make you even more excited for that, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And then uh, uh, totally. And once again, the directors that were hired for that, Benson and Moorhead, yeah. who made Spring and Endless and Resolution and the recent Synchronic that stars Anthony Mackie, uh, I, I think that they've got a great team. I think they're once again, uh, if you want to look toward anywhere in Hollywood where the people know what they're making and know how to do what they're doing, there's no better place to look than Marvel and their heads. Uh, uh, Kevin Feige, of course, but it's also Luis Desposito and Victoria Alonso. This this is probably I mean, I don't understand why this team is not celebrated more than they are, I guess, because there's still the perception that comic book based theme movies or whatever are somehow not as valid as others. But I'm like, 
Look at their track record. Look at their box office. Look what they've done with WandaVision. I mean, if you want to see people that can blow up the internet, I mean, this, this, <laughs> they know what they're doing more so than any other studio, maybe in the history of Hollywood. And I'm there for it, John. And we are getting, I mean, if you think about it, we got WandaVision ending, Falcon Winter Soldier starting, Black Widow dropping, Loki happening. They talked about, well, you're going to get, you're going to get, uh, you're going to get Star Star Trek Lower Decks and Discovery. I'm like, Psh. Marvel's like, hold my beer. <laughs> Come on. No, we got a lot of good stuff coming. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this? We now actually have a release date for Loki. It's going to be June 11th. Not long, not terribly long after Falcon Winter Soldier. If, you know, Black Widow holds what they're going to hold, it'll be right on the heel side. We got a lot of stuff coming here, guys. What do you guys think? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts okay guys uh, one more thing off the top uh for us to discuss here and rob this is one of those situations by the way noah ag sends in a, a super chat badge in the live chat thank you Noah. appreciate that man um one more thing to talk about here off the top rob every once in a while I, i've told you this every once in a while you know it'll be it'll be later in the evening i've done the show notes and all of a sudden my phone i don't have it here with me so let's say this remote is a phone the notifications, bing, bing, bing. And all of a sudden last night, I started getting a whole bunch of messages from people saying, John, did you hear that George Lucas <laughs> is writing the Cassie and Andor show? Can you believe it? And, and here's an example of one of those messages that I got. Now, this comes to us from uh, Travis Gregg, who wrote in, uh, hi, John, all hail the king. It's being reported that George Lucas himself is writing the upcoming Andor series on Disney+. Plus. The story is saying he's written two of the episodes. So I guess I have two questions. First, how excited are you to have the new Star Wars material written by the creator himself? And second, do you think this opens the door for Lucas to write more in the future? Perhaps a movie. And that came to us, uh, this one comes to us from Travis, but that came from uh, a lot of people who were writing in at the time. Now, this, of course, as soon as I started seeing all of these emails coming in, I'm like, well, somebody's writing about this. Some, somebody on some site somewhere is writing that George Lucas is going to be doing uh, writing for Cassie and Andor. And sure enough, there are a number of sites that are, are running this. We're getting this story running around confirmed. Rob, behold, the most misused word online ever. <laughs> Nobody uh. seems to understand what the word confirmed means, but confirmed George Lucas is writing for the new Star Wars series that of course being the Cassian Andor series now in specifically what they write this they say the following in an exciting turn of events it seems George Lucas will be returning to Star Wars in a meaningful way with Andor uh, which is a series I'm very much looking forward to I Me I'm looking too. forward to Cassian Andor a lot IMDB has confirmed that the man who created a galaxy far far away is the writer for two episodes of the upcoming streaming show. Okay, so this is something that I've been getting inundated with for the last 14 hours or so. People saying, John, did you hear George Lucas is writing Star Wars? He's writing Andor. He's writing Andor. So what does it mean when you have sites like this and some others reporting that IMDB has confirmed, John? The first thing I thought when I saw people writing IMDB is confirming is this. IMDB is basically Wikipedia. Prior to a movie coming out, there are many people have access to put things on there and whatever. So you can't really take that as reliable. But I did decide to go over 
and take a look and see what is what is it the being saying. There's no news story on IMDb about, and this is important to understand. There's no story. IMDb is not claiming that George Lucas is writing Andor. So where's all this coming from? This is where this is coming from. If you go to the Andor page on IMDb, it says right here, well, John says right there, George Lucas, first listed writer, right? He's writing it. Well, that's not a lot to get excited about because quite often with writer, that can mean a lot of different things. There can be the story by writer, which is different than the screenwriter. There can be, you know, uh, based on writer, can get a writing credit. For, if, if something is being based on a previous property, uh, the, the creator of that previous property can get a written by credit. So here's where we go. Let's now move on from the Andor page and actually go to the George Lucas page. When you go to George Lucas's page and you get down to him as a writer, you go down. First of all, you see Ahsoka. He's listed as a writer for Ahsoka. Rob. Oh, but it's based on creators, ca- characters created by. He's credited for Rangers of the New Republic based on characters. Uh, a bunch of all these different things based on Star Wars created by, and sure enough, we eventually come down to Andor. And, it, and then it specifies what his writing credit is, characters. So then it gets specific. In episode one, he gets credit for characters. In episode two, he gets credit, credit for characters. All this means, Rob, is that at some point, Mon Mothma shows up because George Lucas was the creator of the Mon Mothma character. All it means is that some, I mean, so yeah, I know it was, it got a lot of people very excited, Rob, to see these headlines. George Lucas has confirmed he's writing Cassian Andor. I, I, please guys, now you know, now you guys at home have the information. If you see people running around with that and they're getting excited, break it to them gently but let them know that no, George Lucas is indeed not writing Andor or any of the new Star Wars show. You can put that one to bed. Rob, I mean, the validity of it aside, I mean, what, what's what's your first impression when you hear that a George Lucas, is that something we would even want? What do you think about this whole scenario? Well, first of all, again, uh, you know, I think we should, John, we should do an experiment on this show and drop a piece of information that we know is patently untrue and see how long it takes to completely wash over the internet, just for fun, <laughs> uh, and just as an experiment. And we won't tell people when we're going to do it, but we're going to do it and see how it perpetuates. Two, uh, I I don't think that it's true. I think if it was true, we would be reading about it again on all the trades, Deadline, Variety, Hollywood Reporter. Those are the places, really, the only the only three places you should ever look for confirmation of anything. Um, and I, I just like you, I don't see it ever happening. Now that doesn't mean, you know, George Lucas might have a great idea. And during a TV series, he's like, I've come up with this idea for, uh, it makes sense. Cassie and Andor, the beginnings of the rebellion, George Lucas might actually have a story that he's had in his back pocket for 40 plus years that he wanted to tell, but there was no way to tell it. And the Cassie and Andor prequel series gives him an opportunity to do so. I could believe that. And maybe maybe we could see it happening at some point, but I don't think it's happening now. And if it was, Disney would be the first people to report on it. They'd be yeah. like, release this. 
How exciting would that be? George Lucas had his his long gestating story about an early uh, an early action of the rebellion is finally going to be told in the Cassie and Andor series. That's big news. That's something that Disney Plus would be like, oh my God, look yeah. at this! George Lucas returns to Star Wars. Are you kidding me? And the fact that it's not, I'm like, how did you guys get this shattering information first? What did George Lucas casually drop it at like? afternoon tea up in San Francisco and someone overheard it. I mean, it's so silly. Like this kind of information, you have to understand how the business works. And, you know, I just don't and, buy it. And listen, yes. I, I get why there would be initial excitement. I do. I mean, look, if you just go, if look, if you don't know the inner workings of how IMDb works and you just land on the Andor page on IMDb and it says right there, writers, and the first name listed is George Lucas. I can understand that initial reaction and that initial excitement. Uh, by the way, Iconic Reaction sends in a, a Super Chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Iconic. Um, I can get that initial reaction, but then all you got to do is just look around a little bit and you see that's not the case. The question is, guys, what do you think about this? Did you see those reports going around? Did you buy into them? Actually, it's a little bit understandable if you did, considering the way it was kind of laid out there. What do you guys think about this whole situation? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts okay guys with that down let's now move into our main topics today and how do we select our main topics here on the john campy show well it's really rather simple you see you guys come up with our main topics whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you think should be a main topic on the john campy show go on over anytime 24 7 to www.thejohncampiashow.com contact once you guys get there you're going to see a form fill it out with your topic or question it's totally free Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campius Show. With that down, let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Big Girl Geek, who writes, Hey John, did you catch the pilot episode of the newest CW Arrowverse show, Superman and Lois? They clearly have an HBO Max budget and are trying to reboot the Arrowverse with this show. It was like watching a movie. I, uh, the feel of the show and characters felt very different than when we first met them on Supergirl slash Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover. I don't know how Supergirl or The Flash will follow such an epic series like this seems to be. Clearly, CW slash DC is putting all of their money into this show and relaunching the brand on CW. All right. Thanks a lot for sending uh, sending that in, Big Geek Girl. Well, okay. So, I, Rob... I vowed I had no desire to watch this jobber Superman <laughs> the way CW crapped all over one of the greatest superheroes, if not the greatest superhero of all time, the Superman. Uh, the way they crapped all over that character in their CW universe completely turned me off. And I'm like, I have no interest in watching this show. Uh, maybe if I hear from a whole ton of people uh, that it's great and that it's awesome, maybe then I will go and give it a shot. I got a message from, how do I put this? I got a message from somebody relatively close to the situation that said, John, I really think tonight you should check it out because I, I really think you're going to like it. I really do. And, and this person has very rarely, if ever, steered me wrong. So I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'll dive in and I will try this, this, this Superman. 
I will dive in and I will give it a shot. So sure enough, that's what I did. I tuned in and I watched it. And Rob? I did too. Oh, did you? Okay, good. So here's the thing. I found it to be, first of all, let me say this. It was much better than I was expecting. Like, I'll say that up front. This, This thing was much, much better than what I was expecting. Uh, I was not expecting much, uh, if anything. I was not expecting much, if anything at all. And I thought it was actually, especially when it started, especially when it started, I thought it was quite good. Um, I Two things that really stand out to me that are, as being really, really interesting. Thing number one that I found really, really interesting was the notion that this seems... And I, I don't I don't want to speak at a turn, but it seems like this thing completely ignores the Arrowverse. It 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 felt like this show it nothing. There was not Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe there was a single reference to anything in the Arrowverse. On top of that. Timeline-wise, this seems to be completely outside of the Arrowverse because it's modern day in Superman and Lois, but they've been raising kids for almost 15 years. Yep. That that is that's inconsistent. And they closed off their multiverse stuff in, in the Arrowverse. So it almost seems like so I, I don't know completely plugged in. I don't know what the behind the scenes scoop is, but the first thing that really jumped out to me was. Oh, this seems to basically be a reboot with the with the same principal characters and the same principal players. It seems to be a reboot. So anyway, there was that. I found the show, though, Rob, to be to have split personality. And here's what I mean by that. I feel like the show started as an HBO show. The first half of this show, the first half, the first 20 minutes to half hour, I felt like I don't feel like I'm watching something on CW. I feel like I'm watching something on HBO. And that is a very good thing because you know me. I think HBO is the king of the hill when it comes to creating original content. I think they're the best. So I'm like, I'm watching the first half of this. I'm like, this feels like it's been rebooted. I, I'm, I don't know that it's been rebooted. I'm just saying it feels like it was rebooted. And then this feels like it was actually made by HBO. So there's that. The problem is, once you got by the first half, Rob, that's where I started to see the split personality. Because the first half of this show was HBO. The second half of this episode was very CW. And that was, to me, interesting, a little identity confusing. It got a little bit into the silliness. And again, because it's CW, Rob... And this is a minor spoiler. This this is a, a minor spoiler for any of you who have not seen episode one. So uh, I'm not going to say who or how or why, but it can't be CW doing Superman, Rob, without them having Superman getting his ass kicked. CW doesn't know how to make Superman without Superman absolutely getting obliterated and getting his ass handed to him. They just don't know any other way. It's the only way they know how to do Superman. That being said, um, I, I will stick with my original premise here, Rob, that I, I do think it was it was much better than I thought it would be. Um, I am actually a little bit intrigued 
because of the way the whole thing started. So I can at least uh, I can at least sign myself up as being intrigued by it. So that's good. But uh, other than that, I'm I I don't know. I don't know. So I, I don't know where, where it'll go, but I got to say, I, I will admit it was better than I thought. And maybe this can get, I, I just need them to lean more into that HBO-ness of it rather than their CW-ness of, uh, as it. You know what I mean? Like I like the Suns. I like the whole idea. I like the fact that these are, this is a Superman facing real world, real life, real adult problems, like trying to feel connected to his kids. And that's all great. But I don't know, Rob, you had a chance to watch it. What did you think? Oh, and we've lost Rob. Give me a second here. I'm going to see if I can uh, get Rob back here. Give me one oh, minute. Oh, man. Can you hear me? I can hear. Yeah, I can hear you now. Yes. So go ahead. <clears throat> oh, okay. I really liked it. Uh, I was actually surprised at how much I liked it. Like you said, the I thought the, first of all, the whole approach to me was really interesting. And obviously, as somebody who worked on Superman Returns, to see the idea of fatherhood uh, I thought that was a terrific extension of the Superman mythology. And uh, I really, I, I'm there for that. And while, yes, that's very much more in the, the CW realm, I think it's a great way to take, a great direction to take Superman in. You know, they've done that with like Damien and, and, and Bruce Wayne and Batman, but to have Superman have two sons and like that scene you're showing, the still you're showing uh, of them, him picking up the truck, I thought that was real awe and wonder in the show more than I expected. Uh, and I really liked the whole relationship and the whole idea of Morgan edge being set up as a, a villain is terrific. And then of course the reveal of, I'm not going to say who it is, but the villain, there's another villain that has apparent superpowers and it didn't bother me that Superman did. Yeah. He, he, he got his ass kicked, but not to the point where it was embarrassing it made sense uh, uh, in the context of the story that they're telling. And I'm, I was intrigued. I, I really I love the idea of Superman having to balance work and family because it takes the, the look. It's really hard to tell a Superman story and make it work. And I think that the fact that Superman has the problems, no matter what, how much power he has as a Kryptonian it doesn't change the it doesn't help his parenting skills at all and i love that you know i mean here's a weakness superman has he's a he's a man that is constantly torn between his responsibilities to the entire planet and now the responsibilities he has to his own family i love this idea and uh, i think it's a classic conundrum and i think it really works for uh this show i only hope that the rest of it sustains itself rather than spinning down into. Oh, again, we, uh, we've been getting Rob's Rob's been freezing up here. All second. I'm going to get him back here to make sure he's going to be able to, uh, to finish off his thought. I need him to finish that thought. So Rob, are you, Oh, he's still gone. Give me a second. I'll work on getting him back here so he can finish that thought. Okay, Rob, you're back. <laughs> Please finish. Your okay. Thought. So what I was saying is, I'm, I only hope that the the idea of having a man, a Superman, a Kryptonian, having to be torn with his responsibilities. Oh, and we lost him again. Rob, I, I think, I don't think the problem's on your end, Rob. I think there might be, um, I think we might have a bit of a glitch problem here. 
uh, with your connection today. I'm not totally sure about that. Give me a second. All right, well, you know what? We're going to have to say goodbye to Robert Meyer Burnett today. We will get this this technical issue figured out. Uh, special thanks to Rob for being here, and uh, we will get him back uh, a little bit later. Uh, this is not an internet connection problem, by the way, guys. This is uh, not uh, not since we moved into the new studio. This is definitely not an internet connection. Uh, this, is, I think, might be a Skype issue uh, that we'll have to deal with. But anyway, this is a new one. This is a new one, but we will get that back another time. All right, guys. With that, that's what my thoughts were on the Superman. Again, it was better than I thought it would be. It is better than I thought it would be. Um, but I still didn't think it was great. Started off HBO, then kind of went CW. But still, I I am at least intrigued to see where they go with this. That's just my thoughts. Guys, did you have a chance to check out the new episode or the first episode of Superman and Lois? If so, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts okay guys with that down let's move into main topic number two shall we and our second main topic today gets submitted to us by avery nicoles who writes hello john and rob there was a time that i thought taylor kitsch was going to be the next huge hollywood star but after john carter he just sort of disappeared just read that he's teaming up with Chris Pratt for a series called Terminal List. Do you think the series looks any good? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. And yes, we've known for a little while that Chris Pratt has been working on this series that he's also the executive producer on called Terminal List. And it, it actually sounds pretty good. As a matter of fact, for those of you who don't know anything about it, this is what we get from Variety. The Terminal List follows Reese, that's played by Chris Pratt, follows Reese after his entire platoon of SEALs is ambushed during a high-stakes covert mission. When Reese returns home to his family, he questions his own culpability with muddled memories of the event. However, as new evidence comes to light, Reese discovers dark forces are working against him. Don't you hate it when you discover that dark forces are working against you? Anyway, uh, Edwards uses his CIA. Edwards is going to be played by Taylor Kitsch. Edwards uses his CIA ground branch access and operator skill set to help Reese seek his vengeance. All right. So that's what we know about the terminal list. And yes, it has just been announced that Taylor Kitsch has been added to the cast kind of as his co-star. This is interesting because you're right. There was a period of time. I don't know if you guys remember this, but Taylor Kitsch was kind of poised to become like one of the next big A-list kind of actioneer kind of guys. And then it kind of sum summated with him getting the lead role in John Carter of Mars, which of course was just called John Carter, a wonderful sci-fi film that was one of the worst marketed films in the history of Hollywood. And that film kind of fell didn't do very well at the box office. Actually, it was, it, it was a major flop at the box office, even though the film was really good. And Taylor Kitsch was really good in it. Unfortunately, Taylor's management seemed to fall into that pattern that a number like Michael Fassbender's management does of just putting him in the wrong roles after that. And, and even before that, I mean, he was going to be Gambit in the X-Men, but unfortunately he got introduced as Gambit, Gambit in X-Men Origins Wolverine. So that didn't go anywhere after that. He was in this big property battleship, but of course that turned out to be a you know big pile of poo. And then he did he did a couple of really good things. And look, the bottom line is I always think Taylor Kitsch, I think this guy is great. I think he always brings it. And it's always fascinating when he's on screen, even when the movies he he's in turns out being quite poor. Now, the idea of teaming up 
these two guys is really appealing to me. I mean, I'm a big Chris Pratt fan. I think this guy is an awesome performer. Ann and I were watching more Parks and Rec last night. This dude's awesome. I love him in just about anything. Him teaming up with Taylor Kitsch, the sound of the terminal list sounds great to me. So I'm pretty excited about it. So yeah, for me, I think this is great sounding news. I can't wait to watch this thing. I don't know when it's coming out. I don't think there's a lot of information revealed about that yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Question is, guys, what do you think about the sounds of the terminal list? And what do you think about Taylor Kitsch joining up with Chris Pratt for it? I love it. What do you think? Jump down into the comments section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number three, shall we? And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Ben J. And Ben J. writes, Hey, John and crew. One upcoming MCU project that I am very excited for is Chloe Zhao's The Eternals. As The Eternals is now finishing post-production, it is being reported that Marvel is very happy with how it turned out. They are reportedly, quote-unquote, almost in disbelief about what they have on their hands. What do you think about this? And does this raise your excitement level for the film? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, of course, one of the movies that they do still have coming out that's been bumped several times because of the pandemic, one that Rob has been very, very excited about is, of course, The Eternals. Now, this is one to me, like I have a hard time right now getting super excited for the Eternals because quite frankly, I'm not really, I mean, I'm aware of a a number of things about them in the comics, but I'm not super up to date or really aware of all the nuance and all the stuff with Eternals. So it's one I'm less familiar with. So there's that. Plus it's going to be so different from anything that Marvel has done before that it leaves me in a bit of a position where I'm like, I'm not really sure what to expect. However, and I'm going to tell you why this is really interesting. There are a bunch of reports coming out about that. It's been real. It's actually really excellent. As a matter of fact, one thing that's been coming out is this. Now, awards ace on Twitter, who's kind of plugged into all the awards scene and stuff like that, and has broken several things about Disney and Marvel before. He wrote the following on his Twitter. A high level source tells me that Chloe Zhao's that Chloe Zhao crushed the Eternals and Marvel is quote unquote. This is where it came from almost in disbelief about what they have on their hands. Now, the reason I find this personally really interesting is because of this. You guys might remember if you watch the show regularly, back in around September, October of 2020, uh, we were talking about the Eternals. Uh, I can't remember what the topic was, but it was revolving around the Eternals. And some of you may remember, I mentioned on the show, as I was talking to Rob, I said, you know, it's funny. I was actually talking to somebody connected in with Disney and the MCU. And what they said to me was, this might be, talking about the Eternals, this might be the best movie we've ever produced. This might be the best movie we've ever produced. Now, at the time... I didn't really care much about that. It goes, oh, listen to that. Somebody connected with a project is saying this project might be amazing. Of course, in other news, water wet. Of course, anybody connect. If you had asked somebody connected with Batman and Robin, they would have told you we might have an Oscar winner on our hands. They might have said that. But I mean, it is. I did file that away. It's like, okay, that 
them saying this might be the best movie they've ever done. That's interesting, but I didn't make a big deal out of it. So when I now fast flash forward a little further to like Ace Award, who I who I know is actually plugged in very well with a lot of this stuff, that he's also hearing that they just are they don't they're stunned. The people at Marvel are apparently stunned with how good this movie is. Now, of course, that becomes even more believable when you understand that Chloe Zhao's other film, Nomadland, is a is considered the front runner right now to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards this year. I have no interest in the Academy Awards this year because it should be an asterisk year. But that was notwithstanding. You know, we're talking about a filmmaker who is who is going to be nominated for Best Director at the Academy Awards this year, who just might win Best Director at the Academy Awards, whose film just might win Best Picture overall, and this is the person who has made The Eternals, and it's got a lot of people, a lot of, ex- a lot of excitement. Now, again, I think you need to take all of this with a giant grain of salt, a giant grain of salt, being these huge platitudes of greatness are coming from sources connected with the studio. What else are they going to say? Hey, how's Eternals coming along? Oh, man, we're really not happy with it. We're scared to let the audiences see. Is that what they're supposed to say? No, so obviously saying the big things. But that being said, I have talked to a lot of people connected with the studios about a lot of their different films, and not often do I hear them say things like, this might be the best film we've ever done. Not often do you hear things like, they're so stunned they don't even know what to, they don't even know what to do with themselves over it. Like it's it, it's high praise. Still take it with that grain of salt that it's praise coming from people connected with its making. So who knows? I just thought it was interesting jargon that's coming out right now. Question is, guys, what do you think about these whispers about the greatness of Eternals? Where where's your expectation been? For me, it's been pretty modest because of all the factors I talked about earlier. But maybe you're super excited about. It. Maybe you love hearing this. What are your thoughts on this? Jump into the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number four, shall we? And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by Marcus Combs, who writes, Hey, John and Rob. Well, I'm a bit confused. First, Tom Holland puts out what we thought was the official title for Spider-Man 3, Spider-Man Phone Home. That was until Jacob Batalon put out a post a few minutes later with the title Spider-Man Homewrecker. Could be uh, one of the could one of these be the real title or are they really just trolling the fans this hard? I'd love to know your thoughts. Thanks. And guess what? It wasn't just Tom and it wasn't just Jacob. Zendaya got involved in it too and she put up a title what did it say? I think it said Spider-Man Home Slice. I think that, yeah, this was it. So yesterday, of course, we had the three main stars of the Spider-Man movie put out, say, we've got the official title for you. Tom put out Spider-Man Phone Home. Then Jacob put out Spider-Man Home Wrecker, which I think, think we all knew was kind of BS. And then, of course, we had Zendaya put out Home Slice. So there was all that. That's all great. That's all well and good. And we can talk about the drama that that created. Absolutely, we can. However, we actually do now have an official title. This morning, just before we started our show today, Sony got on their official Twitter account, and they actually put up a real fun little video, but it basically ends with a camera. This was being done in Sony Studios. A camera zooms in 
on a whiteboard and says Spider-Man No Way Home. As as our as our heroes walk by it, they get to Spider-Man No Way Home. And that is now our official. This is our officials. I bring this up here. This is our official title now, Spider-Man No Way Home. I I mean, look, on the one hand, it's it fits, right? It fits. Spider-Man No Way Home. Every Spider-Man one has had the word home in it. We knew this one would have the word home in the title as well. I I guess, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's just a title. A title does not make a movie any better. It doesn't make it any worse. A great title doesn't make a bad movie good. A bad title doesn't make a good movie bad. So it's kind of irrelevant. So, but I don't know. I just know that I've heard a number of other theories about what the home in the Spider-Man title could be that I've thought were a little bit better. But then again, No Way Home, really good. And it probably does tie in to what we're going to get in Spider-Man 3. Now, this leads us to some speculating. This is why I wish Rob was still here and didn't drop out there. But this leads us into some speculation. We do know, Kevin Feige has said, that WandaVision, Spider-Man 3, and Doctor Strange 2 is are a part of one story arc. So if we're really about to blow open the whole multiverse thing, are we looking at Spider-Man getting sucked into a multiverse situation? Is this going to be about him and maybe, you know, Jacob and, and everybody? Is this going to be about them trying to get home and it's called No Way Home? Could it be tied into it that way? Now, buckle in for, for seven months of everybody coming up with theories about what No Way Home means, but it's clearly going to be plugged into the actual events and narrative of the movie itself. So we're going to have a lot of fun speculating about that. Personally, look, even though we all knew right away that these three titles were total BS, there are still a couple of interesting things here. There's still a couple of interesting things here. Now, look, let me, let me clarify. This might mean nothing. All right. This might mean absolutely nothing, but I think it's worth us at least looking at for a second. Take a look at this guys. Look at the color spectrum of each of the Spider-Man fake colors, right? Look at each of them. You look at the green one, and of course, you instantly think Goblin, maybe Hobgoblin. I mean, that's where your mind can instantly go when you look at that. When you look at the pink, it's a purplish pink. We could be looking at a Spider-Gwen. Could that be a Spider-Gwen? kind of um insinuation I, I mean i don't i don't know for sure but i mean maybe don't know the silver one in the middle i i don't know what that could possibly be referencing i mean the green could also be a mysterio the pink could also be another one of the characters i mean i know maybe it's nothing i just did find it interesting though that each one of them has their own, like, why don't they just all look the same with just a different title, right? So I don't know. I mean, it could be a bit of a stretch. I understand that could be a stretch. Maybe it has nothing to it, but I don't think they gave a different color scheme to each one of them for a different, I mean, for no reason whatsoever, right? I'm just, I'm just guessing here. I'm just taking some guessing for some fun. That's all. Maybe there was something in there. I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. But anyway, I did think that was a pretty fun thing they did yesterday. Because, you know, Tom releasing, hey guys, swipe right to see the title of the new movie. I thought it was a pretty fun little gag. I thought the re- building up to the release of the title. Today, I'll be honest with you. 
I didn't think they were going to release the title of Spider-Man 2 until the end of WandaVision. Because they're connected in, I thought it might, WandaVision would end, Episode 9 would end, and then it'd say, to be continued in, Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, I kind of thought that's how they reveal it, but this was kind of a fun reveal. I liked it. Anyway, guys, question is, what did you think about the whole misdirect with the fake titles yesterday showing the title today and what do you think of the title spider-man no way home jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts okay guys with all that down and out of the way we're now going to take the rest of the show to take your live comments and questions if you got something to add in here how do you get a live comment or question on once again just use the tip link that's near the top of the description of this video just look in the description or you can enter it in manually once again at streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip want to point something out guys a lot of comments come in listed as anonymous Make sure you guys fill out your name part because if you're going to send in a fun topic for us to talk about and you're going to support the channel, I want to make sure your name gets a shout out. So don't forget to fill in your name part. Okay. With that down, let's jump on over and start taking your live comments and questions, shall we? We're going to get things started off here with Chris K who writes, Hey, John, just go with me here. I know who the aerospace engineer is. It's Tom Brady, the GOAT. Yep, I said it. That T-Mobile commercial was just practice. Now he's ready for the big leagues to make his big debut in WandaVision with Gronk by his side. Listen, I'll tell you what, Chris, right now it looks like uh, there ain't nothing Tom Brady and Gronk can't do, man. Win a bunch of Super Bowls? No problem. Change cities? Go to an entirely different team that hasn't won a playoff game in over a decade and a half? No problem. Go there and win the Super Bowl. They can do anything. He can certainly be in the MCU. All right, next up, War Doctor 10 writes, Hey, John and crew, is it possible that WandaVision ends well, but the arc as a whole ends badly for Wanda? Yeah, it does. And that's an interesting thing to bring up. That's an interesting thing to bring up because, you know, I've been expecting the show WandaVision to end very badly in an awesome way, like very Shakespearean tragedy kind of ending, right? And then lead us into the events of Doctor Strange 3 or Doctor Strange 2. But yeah, it is possible. It certainly is possible that maybe WandaVision has your stereotypical cookie cutter, paint by numbers um, uh, thing that they do. Maybe they do that and have that kind of a happy ending for WandaVision. And then we go into Doctor Strange 2 and it's in Doctor Strange 2 that Wanda has her total mental break. It is possible. I would prefer to see it go, you know, with it them having like a real Shakespearean tragedy kind of ending to WandaVision. But I mean, it is possible they do that, War Doctor. It is possible. All right, next up, Corio writes, Hey, John, have you ever seen a show by the name of Banshee? It stars Anthony Starr, who plays Hol Homelander. Uh, it used to be on Cinemax or Showtime, and HBO Max just brought it uh, to streaming. And I'm excited to sit down and rewatch it. It's one of my favorite shows. No, I have heard of Banshee. But I have never seen it. And because it's got Anthony Starr, who is so good as Homelander, he is so good. I mean, listen, The Boys is one of the best shows on TV. And there are lots of reasons why. But I don't know if this show works as well. If Anthony Starr playing Homelander doesn't crush that role. Because like, Everything about this show kind of revolves around Homelander, even the boys themselves. It's all really kind of about Homelander. And if he doesn't crush it, I don't know. So with him being connected, 
I would automatically be uh, interested, uh, Corey, in checking out Banshee. I've not seen it yet, but if it's on HBO, I'll probably check it out at some point. Thanks for the recommendation, man. All right, next up. Um, Mom Jeans writes, Thank you, John, Rob, and the whole John Campia Show team for always being a great place for movie nerds. I have been watching for a little over a year, and I love it. If I could, I'd tip in hot toys. That would be awesome. By the way, Mom Jeans is tipped in like $25. Thank you so much for supporting our channel. Listen, it's always so nice and it's always so heartwarming when somebody wants to write in just to say something kind and, and encouraging. Thank you so much for that. I really do appreciate that. And I love it. If I could tip, I'd tip in hot toys. God, I wish there was some way I could set that up through stream elements or something where people could say, okay, you could tip in like $5 or uh, you could tip, I don't know, a Thanos hot toy. I would, I would do that. I would set it automatically to that every single time. Thanks for that, Mom Jeans. All right, next up. Uh, Roll of the Egg writes, Hey, John and Co. Mayo goes with everything. Damn right, mayonnaise goes with everything. In Canada, maybe. Uh, south of your border, ketchup is the universal condiment, uh, in my honest opinion. As I was raised on Miracle Whip and butter, I can eat stuff with mayo, margarine, but prefer to not, or prefer not to. Uh, now about your grits, butter or sugar? Grits isn't really a thing in Canada. I, I'll tell you right now, I had never had grits. Never once in my life. Until I was down here in the States, and I think, oh, damn it, what's the guy's name? Hold a second. Let, let me pull up uh, this guy's name. Um, uh, Pacific Rim IMDb. I got to get this actor's name because it's going to kill me if I don't get his name right. Let me just pull it up. I was actually having breakfast with, there it is. Okay, so I was having um, breakfast in San Diego. With one of my friends, Mark Neveldine, he directed the Jason Statham uh, crank movies. And I was meeting him for breakfast and he said, do you mind if a friend of mine joins too? And I said, sure. And it was actor Clifton Collins Jr. Who's been in a lot. Of course, he was in uh, he was in Pacific Rim as well. And I remember Clifton Collins Jr. ordered grits. And I, I had mentioned I had never had that. I had never had that. And so I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give that a shot. I'll give it a shot. And I tried it. It was the first time I had ever tried it. I, I didn't particularly like it, but it was the first time in my life I'd ever tried. And I think the main reason is it's just, I'd never even heard of grits coming from Canada. Like I heard a reference in some TV shows, but we just, it's not something that we eat in Canada. Besides Mayo is much better. All right, let's move on. Next up. Thanks. For that, I rolled the egg. Darth Rootski writes, I just watched uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, and lo and behold, Mark Hamill was there voicing Nightmare. Yep. Um, would would it not be funny if the Luke Skywalker level reveal was Luke Skywalker himself? Probably not, but the fun continues with the Wanda Obsession Vision. That's actually nice to say, the Wanda Obsession Vision. Um, so here's the thing. There has been one of the reasons a lot of people think it might be Nightmare is because Mark Hamill has indeed at one point voiced Nightmare, right? So if they suddenly brought in Mark Hamill, I don't know, man, that would be pretty funny. That would be pretty funny. Like like you, Darth, I don't think that's what they're doing at all. But man, if they did that and Nightmare shows up being the villain, first of all, you don't even know if Nightmare's a villain or not. But if Nightmare were to show up and it was being done by Mark Hamill, who happened to voice the character in one of the animated things, that would be pretty funny. All right, next up, we've got Kay who writes, 
I just wanted to say that I love your show as well as all the co-hosts. Thank you so much, Kay. Uh, I found your stream uh, due to WandaVision. Today is my birthday. Happy birthday, Kay. May you have a marvelous day and a fabulous year of triumph and victory ahead of you, my friend. Uh, also, what do you think of all these remakes, and when do you think enough is enough? Hi, Robert. And Robert, unfortunately, is not here with us right now. And by the way, a.k.a. Allen, send in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, a.k.a. Allen. Um, well, you know my theory on remakes, guys. I have no problem with remakes. Remake everything. Because, yeah, sometimes you're going to get really crappy movies. Okay, guess what? Lots of original films are really crappy movies. But sometimes you get fantastic movies. You get absolutely fantastic movies sometimes. Uh, and uh, Visvi, I can't even pronounce that. And in the live chat sends in a super chat badge. Thank you for that. Um, but, you know, Rob and I just recently went over this big laundry list of fabulous movies that are remakes. And sometimes they're utterly fantastic. So, look, my philosophy and theory on remakes has always been this. If you make a remake and it's bad, oh, well, you forget about it. And it doesn't affect the original. If you make a remake that's good, yay, we have a new good movie to celebrate. There is literally no drawback to doing remakes. Sometimes they give us some of the all-time great movies. Sometimes they don't. But either way, we can just move on from them if we do. That's my thought on remakes, Kay. And it's good to have you around. And I'm glad that WandaVision led you to us. Thanks for being here, Kay. Uh, next up. Uh, Cherry Graphics writes, Hey, John, is there any news on Morbius and Venom 2? As it seems, no one is talking about uh, those movies. Well, there's nothing to talk about right now, right? There's nothing to talk about. I think the studio, as well as everybody else right now, is just kind of holding their breath to see when are they going to be able to release these things, right? They don't want to spend any more money on marketing them if they don't know when the movie's coming out yet. And I think they're just kind of holding their breath. Now, of course, we've seen some very positive things lately. I think we're now at 41 days in a row in California, 41 days in a row where every day uh, the new COVID cases count has gone down while testing has gone up, which is great. And while vaccinations are up 70%, that's great. And then yesterday we just heard that New York is going to start to reopen their movie theaters. And we're hearing that LA is going to be not far behind them in reopening movie theaters as well. So everything's looking good. But right now, the reason there's no news is because the movies are done, right? The movies are made. There, there is no more news to come out about them other than in how they relate to when they get released. That's the only news left to be delivered on them. There's no more casting news. There's no more directing news. There's no more development news. Those movies are done. And now they're just waiting to see if they can release them or not. And when they're going to be able to do them. So that's what we're waiting on. Uh, and by the way, Winter Jedi and Ruben both send in super chat badges in the live chat. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. And But I cannot wait to see these movies, Cherry. I cannot wait to watch these movies. All right. Tony Rodriguez writes, um, hey, John, just uh, FYI, I live on Long Island. And the ma I love I, I just visited Long Island a little bit ago because my wife, uh, my wife used to work with Hasbro and their headquarters are centered out there. Uh, and the major theaters... Oh, you know, not Long Island. I'm thinking of Rhode Island. I'm not Long Island. I often confuse Long Island and Rhode Island. Anyway, and the major theaters have been open since Tenant at 30%. That goes for New Jersey, Upstate, and Connecticut. Yes, but not like New York Prime. Uh, you got to remember that when they say New York, just like the weathermen here, they usually mean Manhattan. True. But and when you're talking in movies here, just like when you say Los Angeles, right? There's a lot of things that go into Los Angeles. Like a lot of people consider Orange County. I mean, they call it the Los Angeles Angels 
when uh, they actually play in Orange County, but they figure close enough. I mean, there's a lot of different variations too, but for the movie studios and for the distributors, New York and LA are of vital importance to them because those are the tastemaker cities. And as much as a lot of people don't like that, it's the truth. They are the tastemaker cities and they really need theaters in those markets opened. So yes, just like theaters in LA were closed, but actually just a few minutes up the road in Orange County, there were some theaters open and all that kind of stuff. We understand that. And it's well point well made. It's a point well made, Tony, but they really do need those two key markets open if anything is going to happen. So that's probably why they refer to them like that. But a point well made, Tony. Next up, Dean Youngblood writes, Hey, John, I've been watching since the Batman versus Superman review. Thank you so much, man. You and your team's passion for movies back in the movie talk days was inspiring. Now here I am about to make my first feature film at the end of this year. That is awesome. What advice would you have for a first time director? Wow. Okay. So I've been lucky enough to make a couple of feature length projects. Yours will probably be better than mine, but I think it's this. My best piece of advice to to anybody doing this, especially going into your first one, is prepare, just understand now, look in the mirror and say, at the end of the day today, I'm going to feel overwhelmed and completely stressed. And that's normal. Just look in the mirror at the beginning of the day and say, hey, me, at the end of the day, just so you know, you will be feel overwhelmed and you will feel very stressed. So that when you get to the end of your first day and you are so overwhelmed and you are so stressed, it's not catching you by surprise, all right? When you're directing, especially if you're directing on set with a cast and crew, it it can be very overwhelming your first time. So I would say just start to prepare yourself mentally that, yeah, I'm going to feel like I don't have any control. I'm going to feel like things are spinning out of control wildly. I'm going to feel completely overwhelmed and I'm going to feel like I'm in over my head. If you just come to grips that with that's how you are going to feel and you know this in advance, then when it hits, you're going to be able to navigate a little bit more easy. So that's my best piece of advice at any rate and good on you, Dean. And I hope it goes really well for you, my friend. All right, next up, Mikhail Mahi writes here in France today, uh, star plus just begin on Disney plus and it's awesome. I can watch sons of anarchy on Disney plus now. Yeah, again, which is great. Now I still don't fully understand the fundamental differences, but my understanding, and guys, you can correct me if I, I'm wrong, is that basically Star Plus is basically the Hulu content that we get in America. And by the way, Ruben sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, Ruben. So that we, it is basically the Hulu content. So we get Hulu already, but a lot of places around the world do not have Hulu. So they don't get that effects content. They don't get all that other content that's on Hulu. And basically speaking, Star has all the Hulu content. That's my basic understanding of that. It might be, uh, Sean Patrick is also writing in that Star is basically Hulu for the international market. Yeah, that's what I kind of, that's the way I kind of understand it. I may not be right about that, but that's kind of my understanding. But I'm very excited that those markets are starting to get that stuff, Mikhail. I hope you enjoy it. And yes, Sons of Anarchy, one of my top three greatest television shows of all time. All right, Jesse writes, one of my favorite little Easter eggs from WandaVision I had pointed out to me is that Wanda's tone of voice while saying previously on WandaVision has gotten less and less enthusiastic as the show goes on. I have not noticed that. Almost like she's losing interest in it. I, you know what? I 
have not noticed that? Actually, guys in the live chat, all of you guys watching live right now in the live chat, have you guys noticed that? Have you noticed a change in the tone of Wanda's voice uh, with each episode, as she says previously on WandaVision? Because I have not. Uh, Crystal Riaz is saying yes, uh, that she noticed it too. I never did. Uh, Captain Rogers, Matthew, uh, AA, Zach, everybody, everybody's saying yes. Look at that. A whole stream of yes. I never did. Maybe there's some significance to it. I'll tell you one one of the Easter eggs I also missed, Jesse, was somebody wrote in the other day that when they were in the truck, the license plate on the truck is a series of numbers. And what I missed was the fact that it was Stanley's birthday was the actual the license plate number. And I missed that one too. That one was pretty fun. That was pretty good too. So I'm now I'm gonna have to go back. I think after I'm done the show, I'm gonna go and load up all the episodes of WandaVision from episode two on. And I'm going to listen for that myself. I'm going to see where that goes. Thank you for pointing that out, Jesse. All right. Big Johnny writes, hi, big fan. And Kimberly's number one sim, of course, Kimberly, of course, has been doing the companion videos with me. She's been doing a great job and we're going to be making a companion video a little bit later this afternoon. So keep your eyes open for that. Anyway, there has to be a third villain so we can have our comic book showdown. Wanda versus Agatha, Monica versus Quicksilver, and Vision versus Unknown, probably Mephisto. Thoughts? Uh, maybe, but do you have to have that? No. I think just like you said, with Agatha already there, if she's even a real villain, which I'm not convinced of yet, but with Agatha already there, it very well could be that, you know, Vision and Monica and Wanda all have to team up to fight Agatha. They could do that. Now, I'm not saying there's not going to be another villain. I'm just saying that if they don't bring in another villain like a Mephisto or a Nightmare or whoever else, that you can still do your big superhero ending if that's the way they're going, if that's the way they're going. All right, thanks for that, Big Johnny. Uh, Kina writes, one of four. Hey, John and Rob, thanks for everything you do. Well, thank you for being here, Kina. I think Hayward blames the heroes for all that went wrong with the world. None of the major villains began to show up until heroes started popping up. Um, hold on a second. None of the major, until the heroes started popping up. I keep losing it. Sorry. Until the heroes started popping up. Uh, this goes back to even Iron Man and Warmonger. So the heroes popped up, villains showed up, half of the population of the world disappeared, and the many of the heroes vanished, leaving humanity to pick up the pieces by themselves. Now, just a couple of days after everyone comes back, another superpowered threat involving thousands of innocent people pops up, and when he tries to deal with it, he's challenged at every turn by the daughter of the woman he greatly admires and whose position he inherited. I think this strong stance has a lot to do with the fact that if he shows weakness, those loyal to Maria's memories will start to follow Monica and get in the way of how he's had to learn to get things done. What do you think? All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in Kina. And yeah, listen, the whole character of Hayward, the new director of S.W.O.R.D., there's a lot of disagreement over this. Now, I, a lot of people think it's going to end up that he's working in conjunction with the villain, whoever the villain is. He's working with the villains that he's a bad guy and they may do that. I am still personally of the opinion right now, although my mind could change after episode eight, my mind could totally change. But it seems to me at any rate right now that he's just a guy um, doing the best he can and because everything he has said has been factually true. Every point he's made about Wanda has been true. Everything has been true. 
And you, when he's given that thing, like, you don't get it, Monica. You weren't here during the blip. You weren't here to see how bad things were and how bad things got. And you just don't get it because you were gone. And so I get it. It's, it's going to, to me, it's going to be very, very interesting, Kina, to see where does Hayward actually land on this thing? So my position right now is he's a good guy, but a total dick. Because you can be both. You can be a good guy, yet a total dick. Um, so, and that's why I think he is now, but who knows? We'll see as we move forward. All right. Uh, Wyatt Bender sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you for that. Wyatt. I appreciate that, man. All right. Next up, uh, Tyler Pfeiffer writes, what are your thoughts on the FX series justified? My personal favorite Walton Goggins and Timothy Oliphant are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we've already had Goggins join the MCU and Oliphant is my dream casting for Dr. Doom. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Goggins is amazing. It's funny you mentioned Goggins because the other night um, Corey was came over and we had popped on Ant Man two because it it's it's been a while since I've watched Ant Man two and I want to get caught up in some of the the principles in there and I totally forgot that Walton Goggins pops up in Ant Man two I had totally forgotten about that see Walton Goggins to me is always going to be special we were just talking about Sons of Anarchy Walton Goggins deserved an Emmy. He had a small recurring role in Sons of Anarchy and he was awesome in Sons of Anarchy. Absolutely awesome. Now, I I tried that new show of his, The Unicorn. I, I'm not I'm not really digging it, but uh yeah, but but uh, there's that. Now, Timothy Oliphant, here's the thing about him. Disney and other studios tend to show that they like to stay in house, right? They like to keep it in the family. So like we were just talking the other day that Tom Holland, for those of you who missed the show the other day, Tom Holland had been, was very, very close. Like he was like in the fifth round of auditions. Tom Holland was very close to playing Finn in Star Wars. Now, ultimately the role went to John Boyega, who was great. The role ultimately went to John Boyega, but a little bit later on Disney, they remembered that Tom Holland kid. You know, and they talked to Sony, say, what do you think about this Tom Holland kid for Spider-Man? And they looked at him, they liked him, they liked to keep it in the family, right? So Timothy Oliphant right now is already in the family. He's the marshal. He's in Mandalorian. So they already clearly, they like to, to utilize Timothy Oliphant. So I don't now Dr. Doom, I doubt. And who knows whether he'd be a good Dr. Doom. We don't know what their Dr. Doom is going to be like. So Timothy Oliphant might be the worst guy in the world, but we don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see Timothy pop up in the MCU at some point. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, Tyler also writes, one of two. If Bettany uh, leaves the MCU, please give me a Master and Commander sequel. Listen, I've been wanting that forever. Uh, this may be unpopular, but despite being a diehard Lord of the Rings fan, Return of the King is my least favorite of the three. And I personally think Master and Commander should have won Best Picture to each their own. Listen, I disagree I think Lord of the Rings Return of the King is the better movie, but I wholeheartedly agree that Paul Bettany, Russell Crowe, Master and Commander is one of the most underrated movies ever. Like, at least underappreciated. It's underappreciated. That's a better way to say it. It's underappreciated. Because that movie is awesome. It is absolutely phenomenal. So I don't know uh, how many of you guys have seen Master and Commander. It is stellar filmmaking and the performances by Russell Crowe, who is one of my favorite, if not my favorite actor uh, and Paul Bettany, 
staggeringly good. They're on screen, screen chemistry together. They've worked together before. Now, again, I didn't think it deserved to win best picture, but it is awesome. Absolutely awesome. I'm glad you brought it up, Tyler. Okay, next up, Anonymous writes, I see it's attacked Jennifer Lawrence week in the film community this week, all because someone tweeted a nonsense rumor. Uh, the amount of abuse she got online this week was borderline disgusting. Thank goodness she's not on social media. Well, I mean, I didn't see whatever the other abuses are. Listen, and it wasn't from a tweet. It was a newspaper in Europe that that published that Jennifer Lawrence was going to be Sue Storm. Now, whenever somebody gets announced as being cast, you face a lot of backlash. Here's the problem. And, and I, I, I find that people on both sides of this tend to ignore reality. And, and this is just the way I see it, and you may not see it the way I see it, and that's perfectly fine. Your point of view is every bit as valid as my own. But here's the problem. I mentioned when the Jennifer Lawrence rumor came up that she was going to be playing Sue Storm in Fantastic Four, and that has been thoroughly debunked for any of you who didn't hear. That's been thoroughly debunked. But I said at the time, I am of two minds of this. I'm kind of torn. Even theoretically, I was kind of torn. Because on the one hand, I don't care what you think about this. She is one of the greatest actresses in the world. She just is. I don't care if you like her movies or not. She is one of the greatest actresses in the world. Now, of course, acting like anything else is all subjective. We all have in our opinions. But from my point of view, she is one of the best actresses in the world. She is a four-time Academy Award-nominated actress and an Academy Award-winning actress. She is, when she's on her game and when she gives a shit, kind of like Bruce Willis. Like Bruce Willis, when she is caring, when she cares about the movies she's in, she is one of the best in the world. So you bring somebody like that into an MCU movie, That's awesome. But then there's the other half of the equation. And the other half of the equation is this. When Jennifer Lawrence doesn't care, when Jennifer Lawrence doesn't care, it shows that she doesn't care. You look at the X-Men franchise, like the first one, X-Men First Class, you can tell She was excited to be a part of it, and it showed in her performance. She was really good in X-Men First Class. But it was the worst-kept secret in Hollywood. She didn't really want to do the other ones, but she was already contractually obligated. And you could just tell when you got into that next movie, she just didn't give a crap. And it only got worse by the time you got into Dark Phoenix. You could tell this is an actress who just doesn't even want to be here. So on the one hand... She's one of the most talented actresses in the world. And so, yay, put her in an MCU thing. But then you worry, okay, but if we put her in an MCU thing, is she going to lose interest after the first movie? And here's the thing. Jennifer Lawrence defenders completely want to ignore the fact that that is a legitimate complaint. That uh, That's a legitimate reason why some MCU fans wouldn't want her in the MCU because they're legitimately worried and because there's precedence that if she comes in she's going to do great for one film and then she's just going to lose interest because she's done it before then there are the anti jennifer lawrence people because they don't like hunger games who just want to stick their heads in the sands like a bunch of illiterate turkeys and say oh she just sucks no i'm sorry she she doesn't suck 
she's quite great. And, and when, but again, it's when she's on and I find both sides just don't want to hear the other side of the equation. But anyway, it's all moot because she's not, she's not doing that. But yeah, you're right. The, the amount of online vitriol that can start over this sometimes is, is unreasonable. You know, it's one thing to say, Hey, I don't want Jennifer Lawrence. Cause she's kind of shown she loses interest. It's another thing to get on and start saying all sorts of things about her heritage and her, her, uh, character and all that kind of stuff. That's another thing. And it's, Hey, welcome to Twitter, man. Welcome to Twitter. All right. Next up. K major writes, uh, John, I know what should solve the fandom theory frenzy and soften the blow at the end of the season for some. Have Doctor Strange show up and tell Monica and Wu that there's 4,360 scenarios and only one where they all survive without killing Wanda but lose kids. I don't know if that fixes it for people. And by the way, I'm still, there's a lot of people dead convinced, and for good reason, there's a lot of people dead convinced that Doctor Strange is going to show up in WandaVision. And about, so, pardon me, guys, I'm just pouring a new drink. Uh, a lot of people are convinced that one that Doctor Strange is going to show up in WandaVision. I am not convinced, but it's certainly on the table. It, this is connected in with Doctor Strange too. We got a, a, a magic user here in Agatha. Doctor Strange showing up would make sense. I'm still not convinced it's going to happen. But I don't think there's any way, K Major, that this thing can end that's going to make everybody happy because everybody already has their own theories. But I like yours. All right next up, uh, Grubby Don't Play writes. I hope Vision sacrifices himself to save his family after learning he was a hero and a potentially deadly weapon outside of the hex. Uh, P. Betts is awesome as Vision, Paul Bettany. Uh, P.S. Are you going to watch my show MacGruber on Peacock coming soon? Uh, love your butt, Grooby. Um, I Oh, that's right. They are doing a MacGruber, a MacGruber show. I totally forgot about that. I totally forgot they were doing a MacGruber show. I was not a fan. I've got a lot of fen- friends who loved MacGruber. I was actually not a big fan of MacGruber. I, it, it, I don't know why. It just, it, it's got people in it that I love, but I just wasn't all that big on MacGruber. But I'll probably check it out when it happens. But yeah, listen, whether it's because he sacrifices himself or whatever, Vision ain't getting out of WandaVision. Vision is because we already know in Spider-Man Far From Home, which takes place seven months after the events of WandaVision, they already mentioned there is no Vision. Vision had died. And so I think it's probably going to stay that way, but uh, we'll see. All right, next up, the Winter Jedi writes, one of two. WandaVision Nexus multiverse equals endgame type hero portal return. Doctor Strange type portals appear all over Westview, revealing the Terminator. (laughs) Come with me if you want to live. Judge Dredd, Wanda, I am the law and you will be judged. Predator laser targets appear over the residents of Westview as Ripley and a power loader uh, appears out of smoke. Get us the hex out of get out the hex, you bitch. King Kong's thunderous footsteps can be heard in the distance. Man, I love this theory, even if it's not true. Well, listen, here's the funny thing, though. When you bring into the equation the nexus of all realities, everything is a possibility. Like, no, seriously, everything's a possibility, especially if you all stick to Disney, uh, ABC, Fox, whatever properties, those all become very real possibilities. I mean, that, that really could happen. I'm not saying they would do that, but when you bring the nexus of all realities into play, Ripley coming through in a power loader is completely a possibility. And that's just how bonkers this whole thing could get, man. That's how bonkers. I love the way you react. I love the way you wrote that out, Winter Jedi. Well done. All right. Next up, Sam Phillip writes one of two. 
Two DC movies I've always been really looking forward to are The Flash and Black Adam. I know they're uh, cursed and both should have been out years ago. I'm still very excited to see them. Uh, We've been getting cast announcements for them recently, and I've heard that they are both supposed to start shooting in the spring. I've actually heard they might have already started shooting The Flash. They may have already started shooting The Flash. Anyway, uh, in the spring, I'm hoping they can both live up to the hype. Which one would you say you are looking forward to more? All the best. Well, that's easy. Black Adam. Simple, simple, simple. Black Adam. That's the one I'm looking forward to more. There are some very cool elements that have been introduced. I mean, obviously, Michael Keaton is going to make a very small, short appearance. Ben Affleck, my favorite Batman, is going to make a, a probably a very, very short appearance. But the reality is, I have I don't have a lot of faith in this Flash movie right now. And the reason is they've been through like four sets of directors, uh, four or five sets of writers. You had this whole drama where Ezra Miller suddenly thought he was a screenwriter and he wanted a shot at rewriting the movie, which of course chased off the two really good directors they had. And they said, F you, trying to throw us under the bus. And so they departed again. Now, you've got a very good director in there right now with Andy Muschietti. So Andy Muschietti is directing Flash now, and he's a really good director. So, so we'll see. I, I, I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical of Flash because of all the drama that's gone into it up until this point. Um, but that being said, The Rock as Black Adam. First of all, Black Adam alone is something I'd be excited about. But The Rock as Black Adam is something I've been excited about for five years. But it was literally five years. Since I was in Las Vegas, in the big theater in Caesar's Palace, as Dwayne The Rock Johnson came on stage, it's like, I'm Black Adam, everybody. That was like five, that was like a half decade ago. That was like a half decade ago. Now, even though it's been forever, there really hasn't been the same amount of destructive drama that there's been behind The Flash. I've got a lot of hope for this Black Adam movie. I really do. Number one, I'm just a big fan of The Rock. I think he's a great movie star. But just the Black Adam himself doing a true, true character like this, I think could be a hell of a lot of fun. And I really love Shazam. Like, I love Shazam. So the little teasers of The Rock as Black Adam and that also got me excited. So, yes, uh, very, very easily, easily the one I'm most looking forward to is Black Adam. And maybe The Flash will turn out to be awesome. It's got a great director, but... For me, right now, Black Adam. That's the one I'm looking forward to most out of those two. All right, Casey writes, one of two. Hey, John, how are you today? I am doing very well. Thank you so much. Hope your day is going well. Like you, the last movie I've actually seen in theaters is New Mutants. Well, actually, the last one, technically the last one I saw in theaters was Tenet. Uh, And then before that was New Mutants. Anyway, and even though I have a theater here that has been open every weekend throughout this whole pandemic, I really had no interest in seeing some of the old movies that they they have coming out on the big screen. However, seeing Godzilla vs. Kong is a must. I will be going to see that on IMAX, big screen, and maybe even Mortal Kombat as well. And listen, Casey, I'm in the exact same boat as you, man. Because I had, for those of you who didn't know this, I had mediocre interest in Godzilla versus Kong mostly because I thought Godzilla King of the Monsters was rather piss poor not utter complete garbage but I thought it was pretty poor I didn't think it was very good and so Godzilla versus Kong I'm like eh, well I mean it's Godzilla versus Kong so I'm at least a little interested not super interested 
But then, oh my God, that trailer, that trailer that for me personally is the best trailer of any genre. It is the best trailer I've seen in, since the Logan trailer. Honestly, that, that's how I felt about it. I thought that trailer was the best trailer I've seen since the Logan trailer. And that trailer all by itself made me go from, eh, I'm iffy on seeing Godzilla versus Kong to, oh my God, I have to see this movie. And it was at that moment that I went, I don't care if I've got to drive to Vegas. I don't care if I've got to drive to Ohio. I am going to see this movie on a movie screen the way this movie was clearly meant to be seen. There's no way I want to watch Godzilla and King Kong fight the way they were fighting in the trailer on some stupid, pathetic television. I want to see this in a theater. And so it was that moment that I vowed I would drive to Las Vegas when this thing comes out and I will go see this in theaters. Now, with everything starting to move towards opening up again, theaters in LA may be open by the time. I, I don't know for sure, but they might be. They, they could be. It's possible. It could be open in time, but either way, I'm doing that. And then when the Mortal Kombat trailer came out, when the Mortal Kombat trailer came out, it was like, well, damn it. Now I got to see this one on the big screen too. I got to see this thing on the big screen as well. So yeah, me and Ray and my buddy uh, Ryan, we were like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll make that drive. We'll make that drive. We will go and see it. So I'm completely with you, Casey. I'm seeing both of these films, Hell or High Water, whether it's in Los Angeles or not, I'm going to watch these two movies on the big screen. Uh, so I'm with you on that. All right, next up, Sebastian writes, Hey, John, I was wondering, in a world where some celebrities are making millions of dollars on a single movie for acting in it, which is enough for a lifetime, in my opinion, how much money does a writer make? After all, they created the story in the first place. Thanks. Yeah, well, it's it's like actors, right? It's like actors. An actor can make $10,000 an episode. You know, a, an actor could make $5,000 for two days. An actor could make $5 million for 20 days of work. I mean, it really depends on the actor. It really depends on the project. It depends on all that kind of stuff. With writers, it's the exact same thing. Some writers will make what we would consider a you know, modest amount. Some writers could make millions. Again, it depends on who the writers are, what their track record is, and what are the projects they're working on. Now, will they make as much as the, the the actors. Well, even then, that's a depends kind of question. Depends on who the actors are. A relative unknown in the lead is only going to make so much, but if Robert Downey Jr. plays the lead, he's going to demand a much higher check. So it really all depends. But generally speaking, the writers do not make as much as the actors. Generally speaking. But that's not a, that's not a, a blanket statement truism. Now, that's generally what it means. That said, um, yeah, writers are, listen, you can't, you can make a bad movie out of a good script. You can't make a good movie out of a bad script. I, I am, I am wholeheartedly convinced of that. I've seen a lot of good scripts that get made into bad movies. I have never seen a good movie based on a completely horrendous script. So it's important. It is very, very important. But then it, once you get into the hands of a director, you can get a decent script that's made into an incredible movie. You know what I mean? So yeah, just, again, but yes, writers don't get paid enough. I'll just say that in general. Writers don't get paid enough. All right, Jalen Pryor writes, 
Hey, John, hope your day is great. My day is great, Jalen. Thanks for asking. So I was wondering if you heard the news about Danny Elfman coming back for to do the music for Doctor Strange 2. I am hyped for it. Also, over under 65%, J. Jonah Jameson gives Scarlet Witch her name. I mean, he does love giving names out. That's true. There are several characters in comic books that love to get names out. So no, I think it is far under 65% that J. Jonah is going to give Scarlet Witch her name. I think Scarlet Witch is going to get her name by the end. I think Rob was right. Rob brought this up the other day, and I think he was right. I think Scarlet Witch is going to get her name by the end of WandaVision. That's where I think he's going to get his name. And yeah, I heard Danny Elfman is doing that. Look, I like Danny Elfman. Um, I actually know his daughter, uh, Molly. I And Molly's a filmmaker herself now. I And she was out, she was on panels of mine a couple of times, and she actually used to work in my field and like uh, movie website stuff, but she's moved on to become a filmmaker. And I like Danny Elfman. Um, I, I, I don't think that's a big news story per se, but yeah, I did hear about it. But overall, yes, I will take well under, actually, I'll take under 10% that Jay Jonah um, that Jay Jonah actually named Scarlet Witch. I'll take it possible, but I'll take under 10%. All right, next up, Jalen also writes, also, Kimberly, you're not alone. Uh, I loved eating butter, and sometimes I still do as a 20-year-old, 21-year-old adult. Also, John, happy early birthday to my uh, fellow Canadian and birthday twin. Me and my girlfriend uh, will both be 22 on the 26th. Also, been here since the Logan trailer review. We were just talking about the Logan trailer review. And yes, uh, what? yeah, Friday. Friday's my birthday. I t- yeah, Friday's my birthday. I totally forgot about that. Friday's my birthday. Um, so I'll be doing the uh, WandaVision spoiler review with you guys on my birthday. Uh, so yeah, that'll be that. So thank you, Jalen, and happy birthday to both of us, my friend. Happy birthday to both of us. All right, next up. Um, uh, Judy Hench was my father, writes. Uh, hey, John, Daft Punk is no more. Yeah, uh, which leads me to my question. The new Tron movie was announced last year, being directed by Gar- uh, Garth Davis. Uh, I think everyone was excited for a Daft Punk uh, soundtrack, probably. And now uh, uh, are like, well, damn. So who would be your replacement for scoring? Don't care. Don't care. There's there's a lot of great, talented musical people out there. And yeah, I mean, it's funny that they wouldn't do that one last thing. Then again, I don't even know what the status of the new, listen, that last Tron movie was a disappointment. Uh, I mean, I know there are some people who really liked it and that's awesome. For me, it was a pretty decent disappointment. I was really excited about that movie. Soundtrack was great. The soundtrack was great, but, um, I don't think, uh, soundtrack doesn't make a bad movie good and and i thought tron was pretty underwhelming so considering i'm not even convinced that this movie is going to happen but john they announced lots of things get announced lots of things get announced that don't happen uh and it may they may very well do it but uh, i think that's the last of this movie's worries right now is who does the score i think it's the last of their worries right now but i was kind of bummed to hear the daft punk called to quit but i guess they've been doing it for like 28 years yeah, like 28 years. So whew, that's a long run, man. All right, next up, Man of Tomorrow writes, uh, excited the multiverse will soon be in the MCU, and I am hopeful we will also get real deal supernatural elements via WandaVision. Just hope one second later these new elements are not explained to be aliens from another dimension or via Clark's uh, Clark Third Law. See, here's the thing, though. For people who are hardcore into multiverse stuff, I think you're in for a little bit of disappointment because... My theory right now is, and this is not insider information, so I'm just speculating just like everybody else is, but my totally random speculation is that I think 
Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange 2, is going to be about closing off and shutting down the multiverse. Uh, Rob explains it best how multiverse can really lead to things being a giant mess. Narratively, and there once you have once you have untapped multiverse, there's no stakes anymore. Nothing's really at risk. Everything is, you know, it's just different. But I I think they are going to wrap up everything multiverse related in Doctor Strange 2. I don't know that, but we'll see. All right, next up. Uh, Steve Urbix writes, Hey, John and company, uh, rent a fan since the AMC days. Um, okay. Here's my question is, is there any chance that we could see elder God? You know, this is like the fifth time somebody's asked this Chathan introduced on WandaVision instead of Mephisto or nightmare your thoughts. Okay. So whenever you ask a question, this is, this character has actually been brought up a lot lately. Whenever you ask the question, could there be a chance? The answer is almost, almost always yes. Is there a chance? Yes. Is it likely? No. Um, there, I mean, I think the things that are more likely is that there is not another villain, that it is Nightmare, that it is Mephisto. Um, I mean, really, it's, those are the three things right now, that there isn't one, it's Nightmare, it's Mephisto. There are about 20 or 30 other possibilities, and that is one of them. So is it possible? Yeah. I wouldn't put any money on it, and, and I think I would think it's very, very unlikely, but possible? Sure thing it is. Sure thing it is. All right. Next up. Um, if incel, uh, non as your rights, if incel losers lost their minds uh, with Captain Marvel, which had one female superhero, imagine what will happen with Captain Marvel 2, which will have three, Carol, Monica, and uh, uh, Kamala, uh, two of whom are women of color. Well, I mean, yes. Listen, there are people, and it's important never to mistake this. There are people who didn't like Captain Marvel because they just didn't like it. That's all. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I didn't like, uh, what's one I often mention that I don't like? Assassin's Creed, right? I didn't like Assassin's Creed. That movie was garbage. It wasn't because it had Michael Fassbender. No, it was just, I just watched Assassin's Creed and I didn't like it. Not everybody who disliked Captain Marvel did it because they just have political agendas, which we do see a lot of that. I mean, I'm not going to lie. We do see a lot of that, but it's it's not if anybody you hear anybody say they didn't like Captain Marvel and therefore they're not looking forward to Captain Marvel 2, it's not because they're an incel loser, it's just because they watched it and they didn't like it. Right? So never lose sight of that. Is there some of that other nonsense? Sure, obviously there is. But there were also people who just watched the movie and didn't like it, and there's nothing wrong with that. I did enjoy it, but but I didn't love it. Like I didn't love Captain Marvel, but I liked it. I thought it was solid. I put it, I put it around mid tier MCU. Like I put it around the same levels I would put Ant Man two, something like that. Enjoyable, good, entertaining. I thought it was solid, but not great. And there are people who think less of it than I do. And this, you just gotta can't put everybody lump everybody into one one camp. They just be careful of that. All right, Cam K writes. Uh, hey, John, one of two. Unless you count the quantum realm as another universe, there have there has been absolutely no multiverse introduction in the MCU until WandaVision slash Far From Home. Everything dealt before that is strictly alternate timelines 
which are not the same as alternate universes. Well, that's actually factually untrue, but we'll talk about that in a second. Number two, while I agree completely that something is up with that mailman, it's important to bring to everyone's attention that in either episode five or six, can't remember which one, they have this dossier on the board with identification. True, but just because they have identification doesn't mean there ain't something up with them. Don't forget that one does not automatically exclude the other. The two things are not mutually exclusive. They could very well have a full dossier on this guy who lives in Westview, but there could also still be something more nefarious about him, right? Now, let's talk about the multiverse thing for a second. There's an important part of this equation that you're leaving out, which is in Far From Home, when um, when Spider-Man, when Peter drops the term multiverse, he was talking about the scenario created in Infinity War Endgame, right? Because it was one of those alternative things that this Mysterio supposedly came out of, right? And it was that context which Peter was referring to when he labeled it multiverse. So it's, eh, it's you know, it's semantics. It really is just semantics. But no, that whole thing really did go all the way back to to the end game scenario with them creating these multiple timelines which is what peter was referring to when he labeled it multiverse now will that be what the the mcu continues to label multiverse or will it be something completely different that we don't have a definitive uh, a definitive answer on yet but we will get that answer as we move forward and i hope it is soon okay uh let's move on next up we've got thanks for that cam k next up the other manny writes uh one of a few <laughs> Hey, John, love the show. Thank you so much, but also love to disagree with you. Well, that's the fun. Is this the thing? I let me, let me, let me go off on a side note here. You know what the worst thing in the world is? It's, I mean, this to me, and I'm going to rub some people the wrong way, but, but just hear me out. You know what the worst thing in the world is? Fox News and MSNBC. And, and here's why to me, these are the worst things in the world. Because... They are two things that only cater to people, to saying what people, their audience already wants to hear, right? They're two diametrically opposed extremes, yes, but, you know, and generally speaking, their audiences are audiences of, they just want to hear what they already think, Right? There are a lot of people who go into certain things and like, I just want to hear from the screen things that reinforce what I already think and that I already believe. That's all I want to hear. And if what they say on the screen is slightly different than what I already think and what I already believe, I'm going to change the channel and go somewhere else. And I never want my, I want my audience to disagree with me. That's the fun of being a film fan is when we, I mean, it's great to get together and say, isn't this great? Yeah, that's great. Isn't this great? Yeah, that's great too. But it's more fun when we get to have these discussions about, I think this is great. Well, I don't. Well, why not? Because of this, this, that's when it becomes more fun. And I've always said, my job, and this disappoints some people. Like I, I've had people email me disappointed that I would say this. You know, I literally had people email me that basically say, just no more than two weeks ago, I got this one angry email from somebody who says, you know, I'm one of your audience and your job, Campia, they're basically, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but your job 
is to provide me with the entertainment I'm looking for, which basically in their term was basically saying, tell me the things that I already think. List the things that I agree with. And what I've always told people, and I've told people who work for me this as well, my job here is not to say things that you already agree with. That's not my job. It's also not my job to purposefully say things you don't agree with. It ain't my job to say things you agree with. My job is to give you my honest opinions and thoughts on things and tell you things that I may actually factually know, but also just tell you my thoughts and opinions and hopefully explain my thoughts and opinions in a way that helps you sharpen your own opinion, whether it's the same or opposite of mine. That's my job. It's also not my job to try to convince you to agree with me. I don't want you to agree. If you don't agree with me, I don't want you to agree with me. But what I do want to do is explain my different point of view from yours in such a way that helps you uh, be more well-rounded and have a sharper understanding about why you think differently than me. If I can do that, then I'm doing my job. And when I fail to do that, that's when I'm not doing my job. So yeah, just, just to say, a little side note there, but I love that you watch my show and that you disagree with me. That's great. That's what the fandom is supposed to be anyway let's move on here um uh hey john love the show but i also love to disagree with you so while respecting your opinion that hard work and hard work very much few gripes you say don't don't like the theory of monica getting her powers uh from crossing the hex three times uh one time while rap while Wrapped in Wanda's energy because then Wanda could make enhanced people whenever she wants, but we have yet to confirm that Wanda made the hex. Um, the other is the Nexus. I'm a, I'm a firm believer, as you have won me over to your side and really opened my eyes, that what happens with characters, storylines, or artifacts in comics does not necessarily happen in TV movies. And t- in, it happened in movies, TV shows. So why would we assume... Um, the Nexus, got to remember to go back to James LH. The Nexus can't be different and doesn't necessarily mean we can get Batman, etc. in the MCU, but may mean we can get X-Men. Basically, before we discount Nexus because of the extent of its powers, let's wait and see what the MCU defines its powers as. Well, first of all, uh, let me say this. Um, I was expecting you to disagree with me something a lot bigger than one fine detail point on a WandaVision thing, but that's fine. Yes. I hope that they're not going to say that Monica gets her powers just because she went in and out of the hex. I mean, if that were the case and they they can just get a hundred people right now to walk in and out of the hex and yay, we've got all superpowers. That might be the way they do it. I just kind of hope it's not the way they do it, but they'll come up with something they always do. So that may be the way it is. That may not be the way it is. So I'm open-minded on that. Even though I kind of think this one thing, I'm open-minded on it. As far as the Nexus goes, of course it could be anything. Of course it could be anything. Now, the Nexus of all realities in the comics is a certain way. But as I've said a thousand times, just because something is a certain way in the comics doesn't mean that's what they'll do out here. So all I've been implying is that if they just kind of pick up the nexus of all realities and bring it into WandaVision, then that blows the doors open for anything is possible. Anything is possible. But of course, it being an interpretation, it being an adaptation from comic screen, they could leave it as it is, Or they could say it's a more finite thing. Like the Nexus 
in their thing is a portal to one or two other possibilities. Like, of course they could adapt it 100%. The only point I've ever been trying to make, uh, the other Manny is that if you understand what the nexus of all reality is, if they just take that and bring it in, I mean, it may, means anything is possible. And I'm not necessarily even saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's anything is possible, but absolutely it could be very, very different. They may call it the nexus and it could be completely different than it is in the comics. 1000%. So I'm with you on that, man. I'm with you on that. All right. Uh, next up is James LH who writes, and by the way, TLC, uh, AZ sends in a super chat badge in the live chat. Thank you, TLC. I appreciate that, man. All right. Uh, next up is James LH who writes, Hey, John, you talked recently about whether to add something to your studio. So I just wanted to say, I really admire what you've put together. Thank you so much. It seems to be a great working environment. I'm envious, but I do have hope for a behind the scenes video sometime in the future. Yes, I will absolutely be doing a behind the scenes video. Uh, in the near future, actually very soon, very soon, uh, where I will give you basically a tour around the studio. I will, I've done this before, but I, I like to refresh it once in a while because I've changed out some of my gear where not only will I tour you around my studio, I will tour you around and show you, um, all the various things that I use, uh, why I use the things that I use, the software that I use, the hardware that I use, the speakers I use, my cameras thing and, and what my philosophy is and all that. And you know, what are these big black panels on my walls? I, I will definitely do a behind the scenes video and walk through all of that, walk through all of that. So, uh, there's that. All right. Thanks for that. James LH. Uh, next up, James LH also writes, John, one of three. Let's talk about the three F's of Favreau, Filoni, Feige. I am loving their respective shows. They have put them together in a way that they had to do, in my opinion. Like many viewers of Mandalorian and WandaVision, my only historical reference for shows uh, like, let's see, for the shows is the two movies. I've seen some of Clone Wars, so I knew of but didn't much like Ahsoka until Rosario Dawson. I've seen all MCU, but not read the comics. Your show has been an education with WandaVision theories. I'm usually on Google looking up a name. Uh, I didn't uh, know Harkness or who Monica became. I, I don't know what the Nexus uh, advent could mean. Last time I heard Nexus was Star Trek Next Generation. Yes, I was thinking about that too. Uh, but this is what uh, the, the three Fs, as I will call them, have done. I haven't needed to know all of it to enjoy the show. And yeah, I mean, that's basically a philosophy. Again, that Kevin, we were talking about this with Kevin Feige the other day, right? <clears throat> that maybe the key to Kevin Feige's success and brilliance is that he makes his movies and shows where you don't have to know anything to be able to jump in and watch. You don't even have to have watched the previous movies or the previous shows. Not only has Kevin Feige made things where you didn't have to read the comics, he's made them where you can jump in on the MCU at any time. Because if you're somebody who's like, man, I mean, everybody loves the MCU, everybody's talking about the MCU, but I haven't watched all the things, and you know what? I don't feel like watching 25 movies to get caught up in order to watch this next movie or this next show. The brilliance of Kevin Feige has been, you don't need to. Kevin Feige has made sure that every single movie and every single show, if that is your first time watching, you'll be able to follow along. You won't get all the nuance and you won't catch all the references and you won't know the deeper meanings of this, this, and this. But 
If you like, I had a friend of mine jumped in first MCU movie they ever watched was Endgame, and they didn't feel lost at all. They had a basic idea. They basically knew what was going on and they were able to watch it and enjoy it. <clears throat> I, I told them now you got to go back and watch infinity war. But I mean, that is the brilliance of Kevin Feige. And the more that can be applied to these franchises, like the Star Wars stuff with what, with what uh, John Favreau has done, then the better, you know, because that means your audience can always grow. If you make it so people have to watch all your previous stuff so they're not lost, then your audience isn't going to grow. You, you've The audience you've got is the audience you've got. But the way they do it over there, they've done it a really, really brilliant way, James. Like, really brilliant. All right, next up. Uh, Gary Algera Jr. writes, Hey, John and crew. Love you for all what you do. Thank you so much. Sure, the question's been asked before. I may have even heard it. What uh, would you recommend for my first few Ultra HD viewings? I have a PS5 now and a finally a decent 120 hertz a 4K TV. Well, the one that honestly comes up a lot is always the Lord of the Rings films. I mean, I believe I'm not a physical media guy, so you have to forgive me, but I do believe that you can get uh, 4K uh, Ultra HD um, uh, things of Lord of the Rings. That is something you got to watch on that TV. I, I would say that's the first thing you need to watch. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else might be. You know, really, that's I'm going to go with that. The the beauty, the landscaping, the all that the landscape, the landscapes, I should say. Um, unbelievable stuff. So I, that is my first always go to one is like, that's one. Cause that's really a visual feast that, or, um, the Jet Li film hero J hero is not the greatest movie of all time. Uh, let me see if I can uh, find a thing of this. Um, hero is not the greatest film of all time. It's a very good movie. Don't get me wrong. It is a very, very good movie. But the thing about Hero is, from a cinematography point of view, it may absolutely be the single most beautiful movie ever shot. Uh, I mean, because here's the thing about Hero. Every frame is a work of art. I'm not kidding. Every frame of this movie has a distinct color palette. The use of color in Hero is like nothing I've ever seen other than uh, the Robin Williams film, uh, What Dreams May Come. But those two films are like the most amazing, brilliant use of color I have ever seen in movies. I, I am telling you, Hero, that's an, so that's no. So go Lord of the Rings or go Jet Li's Hero. I think you'll be very, very happy uh, with either of those, Gary. All right, next up, Ryan Lona writes, one of two. Following up my comment about Spider-Man 3 title, uh, One More Day uh, was an extremely controversial story where Spider-Man makes a deal with Mephisto to save Aunt May in exchange for his marriage with MJ being released, uh, being erased from time. I have heard of that. I had no idea that the name of the story was One More Day. I didn't realize it. In that case, that's a really good that's a really good theory then. I mean, obviously it's not true now that we know, but anyway, um, my thinking is if they could take just vague inspirations from a comic story as hated as Civil War and have it turn out so well, why not do this one too? People love Civil War. I don't know. What you're talking. Everybody I know loves Civil War, like the comic book. I, a lot of people I know love Civil War. Anyway, um, yes. Now, of course, today 
we now know what the Spider-Man 3 title is. It's No Way Home. But now that you mentioned One More Day, because you mentioned that before, and I'm like, I, I don't understand the reference. Now I do. Totally see why you went there, Ryan. That's actually a really, really good thought. But again, now we know how it turned out. So thanks for following up with me and, and letting me know what it was you were talking about there. Thanks for that. All right. Next up, uh, Tony Rodriguez writes, I don't think, uh, I don't thinking Warner Brothers have not yet finished uh, defiling Superman. The new show uh, looks like daddy daycare for his two bratty sons complaining that, that uh, they was neglected while he was saving the world and crying. They have superpowers with a teen drama theme for the first five episodes. Uh, yeah. Listen, that's exactly what I was afraid of, but you know me, I go into a movie or TV show with expectations, high or low, just like everybody. But once you start watching a TV show or movie, you have to leave your expectations at the door and just watch it with a clean slate. And you know, my expectations for Superman have been for this Superman and Lois show have been extremely low. It was this, at least the pilot was much better than I thought it would be. And the whole feeling like it's just kind of a reboot in some ways is very interesting. Uh, it felt more HBO than than CW, at least the first half of the show did. Uh, again, I'm a little concerned that the second half of the show felt more very stereotypical CW, whereas the first half of the show felt very HBO. But but listen, I, I may give this thing a chance moving forward. I may give it more of a chance because, like I said, the the premiere episode, the, the pilot was better than I th- uh, significantly better than I thought. I thought it wasn't too bad. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. All right. Next up, Russell Amador writes, Hey, John, by any chance is the father on your radar? It comes out this weekend and stars Anthony Hopkins and early critic reviews state that he gives one of his finest performances. Uh, is this something I'm looking forward to? Of course, after WandaVision really hasn't been. It really has not been because, hold on, let me bring this up. Uh, let me just bring this up here. So we all, we all get on the same page here. Uh, why can't I find it? There we go. Okay. So basically, uh, and it's got Olivia Coleman too, who's an Academy level actress as well. So basically a man refuses all assistance from his daughter as he ages, as he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, even the fabric of his reality, which sounds amazing. But I'll be honest with you, because they have done nothing for this film, uh, I've, I've just never been given anything. So I did never even watch the trailer for this. I've heard about the film. I've read the synopsis, all that kind of stuff. But I've never even seen the uh, the trailer for it. And this brings up another point, something that we talk about with Netflix a lot, is that it is not our responsibility as fans to seek out and be aware of all the content coming out. It is the distributor's responsibility, the studio and the distributor's responsibility to make us aware of these things, to tell us why we should be excited about checking your project. And this is one where they've really dropped the ball on that. And it's a phenomenal cast. Sir Anthony, uh, Olivia Coleman, who's like I said, Academy Award level, Rufus Sewell. I love Rufus Sewell. Uh, Imogen Poots. I mean, it's got a really good cast. The synopsis sounds really good, but they've done nothing to make me excited about it at this point. So I, it hasn't been high on my radar. Just being honest, hasn't been high on my radar. All right, next up. Uh, John DeMoto writes, 
Hello, John. I know it's about early for this talk, but I hope Katherine Hahn gets some award consideration for WandaVision. She is so dang good, continues to impress me with everything she's been in. I, hey, listen, look, you know how much I adore Katherine Hahn. Like, I have been gushing about, I got so excited when we first heard ages ago that Katherine Hahn was going to be in this. I, because I love her. Is this Emmy worthy? I, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, she's doing a great job, but it's not like the portraying this particular character is not something that takes you into Emmy worthy because she's really good. She's really good. But is this an Emmy performance? I don't I don't think so. So I'm going to disagree with you on that one, John DeMoto. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. But I do love her deeply. All right. John also writes. Also, uh, Robert, who's not here right now. Thanks for your response. I'm a huge fan of FC uh, Hinton's work. The Outsiders, because Rob brought up The Outsiders the other day. Very revered movie around Tulsa, Oklahoma. Watch at least once a year. And I know Rob is actually he brings up that film now and again. He's got a there's a very special place in his heart for that one. So I will make sure, John Amoto, that I pass that on to him the next time he and I speak. All right, next up, um, War Doctor 10 writes, Hey, John and crew, greetings from Manhattan Beach. Well, hello. I can't wait for theaters to reopen since I've got two of the best theater chains, Arclight and AMC, within a mile of me. I can't wait to see Black Widow on the big screen. Which movies have you hyped? Well, right now, the ones that have me hyped for the big screen are Godzilla vs. Kong and Mortal Kombat. I mean, these are the ones. Now, look. Uh, of course, I'm interested in Black Widow, but you guys have always known that while I love the Black Widow character and I love the Hawkeye character, I love Hawkeye and Black Widow being a part of ensembles. I really love them being in larger scale movies. I have never been particularly interested in seeing a standalone Hawkeye thing nor a standalone Black Widow thing. So my hype level for Black Widow, I'm 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 looking forward to seeing it. I am. I'm I'm excited, but I'm not like, oh my God, I gotta get it. Like let's let's put it this way. If Black Widow was a um um was being released on Disney Plus and in theaters on the same day, I'd be tempted just to watch it on Disney Plus. Because I'm not that excited for it yet. The ones I gotta see on the big screen is Godzilla versus Kong and Mortal Kombat. They, they just seem like movies I gotta see on the big screen, but that's just me. All right, thanks for that, War Doctor. Uh, Enrique writes, Hey, John Campion crew. How early does a producer like Kevin Feige get to see his projects? Uh, he has already completely seen Shang-Chi, Eternals, and Black Widow. Also... Uh, the all of the upcoming Disney Plus shows, does he usually show up on set with these projects are being worked on? Well, listen, not all producers are of the level of a Kevin Feige, but with Kevin Feige, no, no, he sees what is going on every day. Every day. Uh, I remember there was this one time that I, I was, one of my favorite things I've ever done, I was very lucky, I got to be the MC and the moderator for the press day for uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. And so I went over to Disney's headquarters. I got to be there and they brought the whole cast out and I'm standing there at the head of it and I'm moderating the the big press Q&A for the cast of Avengers. And I remember before about 15, 20 minutes before we started, I got a chance to, Kevin Feige and I chatted and he came in like 15 minutes before it was going to start. I'm like... You look a little frazzled. And he's like, you have no idea what my day has been like today. I had to review 
the trailer for, I think it was an Ant-Man trailer that was coming out that, that they were getting ready to launch. I had to, to review the next revision of thing. I literally had to get on the golf cart, come across the campus while looking on a monitor, reviewing footage of this movie and this movie and this movie that are being shot and blah, blah, blah. A Kevin Feige is absolutely 1000% in control. I mean, the directors are in control, but he's overseeing everything and will change whatever he wants to change at a moment's notice. He oversees everything like daily. He'll look at the dailies. So it's not like he just hires, Hey, Sam Raimi, you go off and make a Dr. Strange two movie. I can't wait to watch it when it's done. That's no, that's not. No, he'll go visit the sets and stuff like that. But he'll, from wherever he is in the world, he will watch the dailies. The dailies are of course the footage that was shot that day. Right. And, and he'll keep up to date on all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, he is very now. Not all producers do that. And all our producers have that kind of stuff. But, yeah, he's very, very plugged in. Uh, he's very plugged in with that stuff. All right. Next up, Mr. 47 writes. Apparently, there's now another mind blowing, earth shattering, groundbreaking, news making, breathtaking cameo at the end of Justice League to be excited about. Uh, and if it's the engineer from one and it's the engineer from WandaVision, uh, you heard it here first. One hundred percent confirmed. Yeah. I mean, I heard that um, the end of Justice League, there is some kind of big cameo. And it's hard for me to be excited about a big cameo in a dead end movie. Cause it's not going anywhere after this. So th- that doesn't mean we can't be excited for the movie itself, but I'm, but I'm less excited for a big cameo. Cause I'm more excited for a big cameo when that cameo can have later repercussions, uh, like the one division thing, right? Cause like if the cameo of the engineer is Reed Richards, that has ramifications for all the movies and shows that come later. Whereas in something like the Zack Snyder justice league, it doesn't, but I'm going to tell you guys something here. I should not tell you. I'm going to tell you something that I should not tell you. Are you buckled in? All right, here we go. Now, just to be clear, um, I have not seen the new Zack Snyder Justice League. Just to be clear, to be a thousand percent thing, I have not seen it. All right? I have not seen it. Um, But I know somebody who has... And, um, so anyway, I was communicating with this person and I know to be fair, I think this person, you know, I'm not going to give a lot, a lot of background. Uh, and remember, this is just one person's opinion, right? This is just one person's opinion that I may agree with when I see it, or I may totally disagree with when I see it. Okay. It's just one person's opinion. Uh, but there's, a, I'm not going to make a, a, I'm not going to make a video out of this. And I'm not going to make a headline out of this, but I will just tell you who, who have watched me here um, that I, I know somebody who has seen it in it's almost, almost completed form. And they really liked it. They really liked it. So again, this is just one person's opinion. It's just, that's just one person's opinion. doesn't mean I'm going to agree with it. doesn't mean you're going to agree with it. Whatever. When we all, when you ultimately seen it, but yeah, the one, the one person I have talked to, or at least communicated with, um, really liked it. Really liked it. didn't, didn't use words like, Oh, just kind of good. Didn't say the greatest thing ever, but they but they really liked it. So 
I'm just throwing that out there. We'll, we'll see what actually happens, uh, where things go. So we'll see. All right. Next up, uh, where were we at here? Oh, yeah, that was Mr. 47. Next up, War Doctor 10 writes, Hey, John and crew. Uh, Jack Black has been cast as uh, Claptrap in the upcoming Borderlands. Yep, we talked about that yesterday. Film, uh, I love this casting. What are your thoughts? Well, I don't know much about the character, right? I don't know much about the character. But as we talked about yesterday, um, you look at the casting on this Borderlands movie right now, right? First of all, you've got, besides Meryl Streep, the woman I consider to be the best actress on the face of the earth right now, and that's... um, I mean, look, that's obviously a matter of uh, of opinion, but it's Kate Blanchett. When I first heard that they attached Kate Blanchett to this movie, I'm like, wait a minute, what? They this video, the Borderlands, this got Kate Blanchett, and then, pardon me, they got Jamie Lee Curtis as well, and now, of course, we've got the Jumanji reunion with Kevin Hart and Jack Black. So that's going to be interesting to see too. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. All right, next up. Uh, where are we at? Uh, Suthius writes, Hey guys, this is a plea to my fellow viewers. If you can't fit your thoughts in one tip, simplify your thoughts. Make it easy for Mr. C. It's painful watching him read ordinary words that get abbreviated. Uh, we all want to hear his thoughts uh, on your tip. Yeah, again, I, I, I do ask people, number one, do try to proofread what you're sending in before you hit send. Cause it's, it's awful when I, when somebody sends in something and it's like, I can't actually respond to it. Cause I don't know what it is you're saying. Don't put in abbreviations. Don't do all that kind of stuff. Just, um, uh, yeah, just please. Yeah. Just, just, just proofread before you hit send. That's all. All right. Uh, thanks for that. Jonathan writes all this wonder woman, 84 negativity is disappointing and makes me reconsider my a list. My, my a plus, because I legit thought it deserved such a high remark. Uh, help me out, John, because I feel alone in loving this movie. I know you don't love it, but what's something positive that you like it? Well, first of all, Jonathan, let's be very, very clear here. Who gives a shit if other people like it? You like it. That's all that matters. You don't have to revisit your love of it because you start hearing everybody else dislikes it. Who gives a shit? You think I... Let the fact that, you know, everybody, oh, everybody loves, I don't know, the original Blade Runner. I don't let that affect the fact that I didn't. I wish I did, but I don't. And I make no apologies for it. I didn't like the original Blade Runner. I wish I did. I wish it could be one of the cool kids, but I'm not. Leave it at that. If you loved Wonder Woman 84, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what I think about. It doesn't matter. Listen, the movies are art. And as art, the art hits each of us in a different, unique way. That means you and I may agree on 99% of the movies, but because art hits us in different ways, we're going to have movies where it's going to hit you differently than it hits me. doesn't mean I'm right. doesn't mean you're right. It just means that was your experience with it. And your experience with the movie, and movies are experiential events, your experience with the movie is the bottom line. So I don't need to convince you that it's okay to like it. You don't need other people to talk you into disliking it. You loved it. And that's all that matters. 
And yeah, there are, there are like even somebody like me who was disappointed with Wonder Woman 84, there are definitely elements of the film that I thought were really quite good. The dynamic between Steve and Diana, I thought that was great in the first movie. I thought that dynamic was absolutely fabulous in the second movie as well. I love the Cheetah character. You know, I love the character. I may not like some of the, the designs later on, but I really do like the character. Uh, I thought a number of the performances in it were quite good. Uh, I mean, there, there were many things that I liked about it, many things I disliked. But bottom line, Jonathan, is if you loved it, you do not have to cons- reconsider your ranking of it. That's all that matters. And so don't you worry about what everybody else says i mean i mean yeah listen to what other people other people say too for the sake of discussion and for the sake of interacting but don't make you don't for a second let that make you think you need to reconsider your theory of it or your thoughts on it you had a unique experience for you when it came to that movie and that is treasure so you hold on to that and you don't worry about anything else man you don't worry about anything else anyway uh next up uh, War Doctor 10 writes, hey, John and Crusoe, Spider-Man 3 might have a title and it's Spider-Man phone home. It's not. Of course, we already talked about this. Could we see E.T. make a cameo? Thoughts? Of course, that was a fake one put out by Tom Holland, followed by Home Wrecker, followed by Home Slice. All of them were fake. We now officially know that the title of Spider-Man 3 is No Way Home. That is officially the title. And now we know that. Uh, all right, next up. Just got a couple of minutes left here, guys. Suthius writes, Wife and I both caught the Rona uh, one uh, one after another. Oh, that sucks, man. Even with me being a stay-at-home dad and wife wearing masks, took us weeks, but we were on the but we are on the mend. Majority of the time I was in bed or resting was indeed when I binged most of your companion videos. Well, I'm glad, Suthius, that we're able to be there with you, man. Listen, again, when you get a pandemic like this and viruses like this, All you can do is take the best precautions you can. It doesn't guarantee you won't get it, but it lessens the chances. It lessens the chances. And that's all we can do is take reasonable, rational, responsible choices that reduce the possibility that we will either catch it or become a transmitter of it, right? And understand that if you do reasonable, cautious things, you still might. But that's not a knock on you. But I'm glad you're recovering, and I'm glad we were able to be there with you as you were going through your recovery, man. All right, Benny95 writes, It will be the first time in almost a year that I head back to theaters and will be for Lord of the Rings in 4K. A lot of people writing that in, Benny, that they're going to go watch Lord of the Rings in theaters in 4K. However, they are showing them for one day only, and unfortunately, I only have time to see one. Which one would you choose if you could see one again in theaters? Cheers. Well, I mean, as somebody who has seen all of them, the one I would go back and watch again is Lord is a return of the King. Like that's, it's the summation of it. It's the climax. It's got all those beautiful 27 endings. Um, it just, I would watch Lord of the Rings return of the King. If for no other reason than the end of that movie as Annie Lennox sings into the West. Oh my God. As you get through the Lord of the Rings films and you get to the end credits when they're showing all the sketches and walking you through the story again, through those sketches. And while Annie Lennox sings into the West on the horizon. I mean, I get chills when I hear that. I get absolute chills. So for Northern now, if you're somebody who hasn't seen Lord of the Rings, well, and you only got time for one, well, then obviously the one you go watch is Fellowship of the Ring. You go in with the first one, but 
yeah, for me, I would probably go, uh, if I was going into there, I would probably go in there to watch uh, 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 Return of the King. That's the one I'd be going for. All right. Last one up here today, guys. Jonathan writes, Studios do realize they can't make a billion dollars on streaming alone, right? Oh, they can't even make a quarter of that. Uh, so why focus there and not theaters? Uh, they could have spared big time theater chains like AMC a couple of million to keep them afloat. I don't know uh, why everyone's so into streaming when theaters make money. Well, uh, look, that, that's a larger scale issue, Jonathan, and we've talked about this many times. The reality is there with the pandemic. I, I mean, there's really not much that can be done, right? Studios, like anybody who gets mad at the studios, they, look, obviously you've heard me talking about it. Some studios have made decisions that I think are completely stupid. But but I say that with the asterisks that we are in an unprecedented time. This global pandemic and the way it specifically affected the, the, the movie industry is something that these studios have never had to deal with before. And nobody else has either. Like there hasn't even been, well, in the 70s, this happened and here's how the studios dealt with it in the 70s. And this is what worked in this didn't work. There's been no playbook. This is completely new. And while, yes, there are decisions that certain studios have made that I would or would not do, that I would or would not, you know, I wouldn't have made those decisions if it were me. But the reality is everyone is just trying to do the best they can for themselves under the current circumstances. And, you know, you know, maybe Warner, like I think the Warner Brothers decision with the whole HBO Max release thing is is ass fucking stupid, like ass fucking stupid. But that's me. Their motivation is, okay, look, we can't get our theater, our movies into theaters right now. We're trying to get HBO Max up and running for a long-term thing. We're struggling behind all the other streaming services. What if we take these movies that we've produced, we use these to try to draw attention to HBO Max, and maybe we can make the best out of a bad situation right now, right? I get that. I get it. Still not what I would have done, but I get it. I get it. And really, whether it's Universal or Warner Brothers or Disney or Paramount or any of them, each one of them are just trying to figure out a way to navigate this unprecedented, ridiculous situation. And it's easy for somebody like me or you to sit in our chairs when it's not our money on the line and it's not our companies at stake and it's not our futures at stake to say what we think these studios should have done. Oh, it's easy for me. And it's easy for us, but behind all of them is a group of human beings just trying to figure out how to navigate this thing. And um, sometimes it means they make decisions that will work. Some of them won't work. Some of them would be decisions that you and I would make. Some of them would be decisions that we wouldn't make. But either way, at the end of the day, they're just trying to figure it out. And now if this happens again, heaven forbid, but like 10 years from now, if like a different pandemic hits, well, then studios and everything at that time will be, will have a precedent to look back and say, okay, this is what happened back in 2020. Here's how they tried to deal with it. This is what worked and this is what didn't work. Then they'll have 
you know, they'll have a better time of it. But right now it's, it's just, it's just crazy, man. It's tough right now. Anyway, guys, listen, there are still more questions to come, uh, from, uh, Jonathan, let them eat popcorn, uh, Blake and on. So what's going to happen is a little bit later, uh, this afternoon, Kimberly and I are going to be doing a companion video later today, and we'll get all caught up on all the questions, all the remaining questions that got sent in today. And, uh, we will get ourselves all cut up. So if your question hasn't been answered yet, don't worry. You're not going to have to wait long. Just come back a little bit later this afternoon. And we'll get that companion video up and get to all of your questions. And that will do it for me, guys, for today's installment of the John Campion Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show a part of your day. Thanks to Robert Meyer Burnett for bringing for being here for the little amount of time he was able to be here. Special thank you to all of you guys who made this show a part of your day. There's a million things you guys can be doing, and it's always completely honoring that you guys would spend part of your day here with us as we talk about our favorite things. And a special thank you to all of you guys who sent in these live questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel as you did. And all of us here at the John Campia Show, thank you guys very much for that support. Okay, guys, don't forget... Do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and take care of the people around you. Oh, and one more note. Don't forget, guys, tomorrow's Thursday. And what does that mean? It means it's game day. That's right. Tomorrow is game day. And so because tomorrow's game day, uh, Thursday, tomorrow afternoon, about six or seven hours before the new episode of WandaVision launches, we will be doing our WandaVision pregame show tomorrow afternoon. Uh, we hope that you guys will tune in and join us for that as well. All right, guys, that does it for me for now. Thanks a lot for being here. My name is John Campia. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.